You got microbes in my top hat, Willie. It's Amigos, everything Amiga. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about microbes and Top Hat Willie on public domainia. You know, these are always gold boats. Aaron, what is it about... Now, did you... I don't think we've ever actually talked about this. Did you use a lot of public domain software when you were with the Amiga? Hell no. Are you... Well, that's not true. Dadgummit. I was going to badmouth public dom, uh, domain software, but I did. Because I was in the Software of the Month Club. For years. Where, where was that out of? It was out of a mail order catalog. It was out of the mail from the back of like an Amiga world. Mm-hmm. And every month you would get a different piece of, a different set of discs. Sometimes one or two discs, sometimes three with different software and demos and stuff on them. I was in it for years. And I actually, I kept all my discs all these years. And then I, I had the full collection almost and I sold them and I made good money, hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. on these discs. And it was just discs. So yes, I guess I did use it, but I it was always disappointing. Let's put it that way. There's some. I think there's a different. There's different views on public domain software. Some people see it as sort of cheap ripoffs of commercially released games. Other people see it as the spirit of the free and open source movement. You know, taking it right to the. It's, you're cutting out the middleman. No publisher. You get paid direct. Send it. Send the three dollars to my home address. That side of things. Yeah. Well, Where do you fall in this argument? Listen, I can only tell you the way I looked at public domain software, which was free games that almost always were crap. That was sort of, and really, most of my public domain stuff came from the, was on the DOS PC. Mm-hmm. But on the Amiga, it was a, probably a better crop of public domain software. I was going to say, you know, you've, you, you're lucky enough to have really grown up with computers. You've had computers from several generations. That's right. Was there any sort of public domain scene that you knew about on, say, your first computer, like the TRS-80 or the Coco? Or... Yeah, there was. There's a public domain scene, but it's, I mean, it's it's old. It's, it's not as big. Really, public domain, to a certain extent, was stuff you typed in would be considered public domain because mm-hmm. you're typing it in. So for the Coco, for the longest time, you just get the magazines and type it in yourself, and it was never that great, you know. Uh, but I know some people probably are real super romantic about it. Maybe they found some hidden gems. Now, the Amiga's public domain scene is a lot better uh, than uh, any of the other ones I've been in, and probably because we've played a ton of games on here. We've found a bunch of games in public domain that we love. The last show we did, we found a couple we love. And we got this show. Even think stuff like Deluxe Galaga, I think you could get that in a public domain form. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so there were there were plenty of good public domain titles on the Amiga, I think. But there may have been some on the PC, but I didn't play as many on there. So there's that. And plus, there were the dem- like game demos were like a real big deal on the PC. Stuff you get off the disc of PC Gamer. Mm-hmm. And so usually I would migrate toward that How stuff. How much of the stuff you know on the PC side... When you'd get a disc, would it be public domain versus just straight up demos of commercially released games? Well, depending on what you've got, like because it seems like these days, of course, public domain doesn't even exist anymore. I, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it does. You got to think PCs went through an interesting revolution, DOS wise, um, before and, and early in, in Windows, and that's the revolution where stuff where Doom came out, the Apogee stuff. All of a sudden. You're downloading something and it's not crap. Mm-hmm. You're playing something that's re- actually cutting edge, you know. And, uh, and you would 
like you got to think stuff like something like a Duke Nukem. That's a that's a game where you play the whole first the whole first world is there for free. You can play, then they get the money off to get you buying the rest. That's a that's a heck of a bargain, mm-hmm. you know. So ultimately, they ended up catching up. But when you bought stuff like a PC game or something, the CD mostly had demos on it. Okay, that's what I yeah. figured because it seems like the Amiga. You know, you have the Fred Fish collection, all this stuff. Yeah, and I don't know that there's another platform that has something akin to that at the level that the Amiga has. Do you think that it's possible that the Amiga has the most well-developed public domain? Well, Fred software? Fish, Fred Fish was a big deal. In fact, it, I, it's funny you should mention because I hadn't thought about this for a long time. One of the only reasons I was ever interested in getting a CD player for the for the Amiga was the fact that you could get the whole Fred Fisk collection on a CD. And I remember thinking to myself, holy smokes. Right. You got it all if you have the CD. Um, I don't recall. I'm sure there are named collections on the on the, on the DOS, on a Windows, but I don't know them, you know, because I wasn't as heavily entrenched in that scene. The Fred Fish disc, though, I mean, they're still around, mm-hmm. you know, and people still talk about it and remember them fondly. So clearly... There was a lot of gems in there, but yeah, it's nice. I will say that is a, one of the advantages of the Amiga it had a real, you know, fleshed out public domain. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get to two of those games in just a few minutes. But first, Aaron, let's take a deep dive into this week's Amiga news. Amiga news. Now, Aaron, this first story isn't necessarily Amiga-only related, but I saw this pop up. I think LGR did a thing on it. This is called the USB 4VC, and this is a new device that is currently being kickstarted that allows you to use uh, USB keyboard, mouse, and game pads on uh, vintage computers, and it's got a modular setup. So this is one of those things where you're switching in and out various boards, yeah. and, the, and the thing that it, the thing that it's promising is very low latency. Um, this is something that you might use on an old IBM ATXT type computer. In fact, that's what we're seeing right here. Uh, you know, uh, historically, it's been sort of on the difficult side to use uh, USB controllers. With things like this, you know, obviously the DB9 to USB solution has been around forever and a day. You're, you famously made one of those devices. Yeah. But this is this is something different. This is going to give you more connectivity to things like classic Macs, old IBM computers, and stuff like that. What do you think about this? Does this tickle your fancy at all? You know, I watch this on LGR mm-hmm. myself. Um, I can understand the need for it. If you're... Okay. Let's back up for a minute. I've got a, a Pentium grade PC, okay, Pentium Pentium One. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, it has USB support. It's also got slots that I've got USBs on, and I've rigged it up to not only accept USB drives in Windows ninety eight, but in DOS. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that tough? All right, uh, and you've got your choice of uh, keyboards. I can use a so for. Anything, I guess, from that era on, like probably your, I'm trying to think when USB came in, probably 486s may have had them, I can't remember, but Pentium certainly had them. Mm-hmm, sure. And so you're looking at hooking it up, in terms of the PC world, anything from there back, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, to me, I'm not that interested in it because I don't use anything that old, all right? That much said, if you do, it's quite a boon, there's no doubt. It's an awkward looking little unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, what you say, modular. Yeah. Uh, it's got a bunch of weird, you can plug different stuff into it. 
Uh, I mean, if that's your bag, I don't know what they're. Do, do you have an idea what they're? I know they're Kickstarter, but what are they? What do you have? Have they announced the price? On? Uh, absolutely. If you, it's a forty-eight pounds, forty-eight pounds, that gets you the uh, the baseboard and the ADB uh, thing, and the ADB, of course, Apple Desktop Bus. That gets you. Uh, so if you if you want to connect this thing to a Mac, it gets you that. If you want just the baseboard only, it's twenty-five pounds. Uh, looks like there are several of these are around the 50 pound mark tier yeah. uh, that gets you, you know, uh, the 59 pounds gets you the, the, the PC card that you plug into it. Uh, 88 bucks gets you both of those plus the baseboard. So uh, it looks like that they're, they're mostly gearing this toward the classic IBM compatibles and the Macintosh, the so, ADB. So here's the way I look at something like this <clears throat> for a boutique item, which it is, um, those prices aren't double gouging. Yeah, I agree. Okay, now uh, I suspect that after they get a kickstart, the double gouging prices will linger, come around. Mm-hmm. Those aren't bad. All right. Um, the fact that it's modular is—I don't know. I'd rather have a Swiss Army knife than have to put the various parts on the knife myself. So I'd rather have just—I'd rather pay a hundred bucks for a, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it, I can see it both ways because for a lot of people. They are all in on the, the IBM PC, especially this new crop of retro gamers that have grown up watching LGR yeah. that, that yeah. idolize these old, you know, machines. As I recall, you also have to have a Raspberry Pi for this. Mm. And those they're not giving those away. No, no. And I know that doesn't come with. Right. So that you're gonna have to pay that uh, price as well. Mm-hmm. So you're so now we're you wanna hook up your USB keyboard or I mean he was I saw the LGR guy was gleefully giggling mm. as he does. Playing with his PS4 or PS5 controller, that's dandy. But who cares? I mean, really, you can you can do a lot of crazy stuff. Is it something you're going to do that yeah. much? Probably not. You know, I think that uh, I can see this on the more on the keyboard and mouse side than the the game controller side. Uh, I know that uh, lots of people like mechanical keyboards, and like mechanical keyboards, just not an option on the Macintosh. There was no there was no model that's M. A, that's surprising you know, to Mac. me. Uh, it's they've always been the you know just the, the regular switch keyboards and so the Macs do have this crazy they have a proprietary plug. Well, right? the, these can't go with the original like the the phone jack mics. Yeah. The, you got to go all the way up to the SE30. I think yeah. was the first uh, ADB. I'm sure somebody's going to correct me on that, but it was not not the original Macs. You were one one generation ahead to get the ADB port. What do you think the Amiga functionality of these would be? I mean, well, the the problem is is that there's already solutions like right. This for That's the Amiga. I was going to say. There's I, we've already got the ability use usb stuff right. and so whatnot. i i don't see this thing really branching out past uh these two particular computers but i can see this venturing into console land you know what if you could hook up say like a ps5 controller to your atari jaguar that's a bad example because that's db9 but well, you pick, would never pick something you pick could something never wacky. you could never how about the because the Jaguar has that keypad on right. it that they use, so you couldn't really do anything. Maybe like the Vectrex or something. Now, doesn't like this that. give? I believe this also. I mean, there's a this get it, this sets up your Pi as a Bluetooth uh, uh, device. You can hook Bluetooth to it. So if if this could go into Amiga, I mean, you, there's something you might be able yeah. to do with it. Bluetooth. Listen, I'm sure that I'm sure that you know eventually they're going to make these modular units for all the classic computers. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, if they sell these things for, you know, if they sell the, the base unit, you know, to me, I can see paying 
Because again, you know, you're in fifty bucks for the pie. Yeah. Then you're in fifty bucks for the base 50 unit. Fifty bucks and try double that. Is that what pies are? Pies, the for cheapest now? pies okay. are over a hundred dollars. Okay. So I, I, I don't know. And God knows what they're going to be now. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, you're in for probably two hundred bucks just to get in the door with this thing. Yeah. And um, is that worth it to you? Well, if you're a one trick pony, if you, if you, all you care about is your classic Mac and you want to trick it out as much as you can, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. But if you're like us and you're you sort of have everything. We're multiple trick uh, right, pony. Right. Multiple yeah. tricks, master of. You know, we're going tricks. into a weird zone. Mm -hmm. Let's kill a minute here. If okay. You, if you'll indulge yeah, me. Yeah, man. And we talked this years ago, but now we're, we talked about it coming, but now we're here. And we're in the area where you've got your classic machine that you can, you can do anything with it, including use all the most modern IO devices, uh, storage solutions, uh, the whole nine yards, video outputs, mm -hmm. the whole nine yards. Uh, if you could take this thing and, and wire up a, a PlayStation 4 or, or PlayStation 5 joystick to your Amiga, you know, and you've got HDMI graphics and stuff, I mean, you're feeling pretty good. Is it good? Is it this, In your case, I'm asking you, John Bodevkar-Shaller, does having all this stuff rigged up, does it rob you of any of the sense of, of, uh, 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 of the feeling you had when you were a kid playing this stuff? I mean, 100%. For, like, it for does. Me, yeah, for me. You know, I we talked before the show that I turned on the Amiga 1000 last night. I just felt like playing some games on it because I watched yeah. the 8-bit guy video on it. And there's something about using the original mouse. Well, I don't have the original mouse, but, uh, you know, an Amiga mouse, the uh, the using the Amiga yeah. keyboard. There's something about it, all right? You want to kill yourself. Well, I mean, it is. <laughs> it, does it feel as good? Now, I was using a, a Sega Genesis stick, so mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying I was 100% accurate. Yeah. But watching the machine hum... Seeing it come out through the Commodore 1084 monitor of yeah. 1702, and here, you know, it, it seemed like it was more real. As soon as you start taking things away from the system, and I, I even include things like the GoTech in this, you start to lose some of the magic. Now, you, in some cases, the, it's, it's, it's a trade-off. I can lose, you know, 5% of the magic for what the GoTech brings me. Yeah. You know, but everybody has to make the call on at what point does this cease being the thing that I liked using when I was a kid. And this is just basically something totally different. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I'm halfway through the door and half not. Because mm -hmm. when I grew up, it was such a pain in the butt to use a computer that I personally... I, I welcome my new digital overlords. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't want to sit through a tape loading. I don't want to uh, necessarily use the stick that came with the machine. I like, for example, the Amiga. I really do enjoy having a gamepad mm -hmm. for some of the games. One and of so the things, that. yeah, and I think that it also depends on, like, for example, the Amiga One Thousand. There's a like, there's tons of games on there that just like it's sort of still a mystery. Like, is this going to work on a One Thousand or won't it work? Yeah, and so having that kind of mystery and firing different things up. You know, is it something that you're going to do just as a leisurely activity all the time? No, but once in a while, it's kind of fun to go through a list of software and say, oh, yeah, this loads on the 1000. That's kind of cool. If you have a 1200, you don't get that because everything works. On, on the flip side, it's not fun to want to play a game and it's, oh, it won't load right. on the 1000. Right. This is and then you just or move the on. screen's jacked up on right. the 1000. And then That's you just horrible. move on to your 1000 other ways to play it. <laughs> yeah, so. Exactly. I will say when the, uh, when, the, when the Amiga Mini comes, I'm looking forward to giving that joystick i'm gonna see if i can move that into the into the starting rotation because mm -hmm. that thing looks like a pretty cool looking stick i think so yeah but this is interesting clearly they hit their goal if they got lgr right uh, big time 30, 30 large 000, yeah and i suspect with 19 days to go as this gets uh, rotated around they will probably double that number mm -hmm. would not surprise me so yeah an interesting an interesting gimmick boat 
Now, up next, Aaron, is another uh, fundraising project. This is of a different color, though. This is a uh, GoFundMe page called Help Dave and Brian Uncover Commodore History. Oh, man. Okay, Okay. so apparently these two guys have come across a treasure trove of Commodore information over in Ontario, over in the land of Frank Mm. and his buddies at Retro Rewind. Okay, these documents were gathered in 1964 and contain information about Commodore's co-founders, including three days of interviews with the founders, Manfred Kapp, and five days with Jack Tremel. So uh, these are... uh, So... What do, what do these guys want to do? They want to go through and they want to archive it all. They want to save it. They want to preserve it for future generations. They're asking for some support in this endeavor. I'm sure that it is to you know pay them somewhat for their time, maybe some uh, equipment that they can use for this. Uh, they have surpassed their GoFundMe goal of $2,000. They've raised 3828 Canadian dollars, Aaron, out of 86 donations. Yeah. Uh, if this sounds like it would be interesting to you and you want to uh, fund these guys and give them some bucks, GoFundMe, just search for Help Uncover Commodore History. Aaron, what kinds of Commodore history do you think we have lurking in the basement of the Putnam County Library? <laughs> Very little. Maybe a C64 manual. <laughs> Might be that or a VIC-20 manual. You know, I'm looking at this uh, interesting thing here. And I guess you will. Uh, your money will also get you some sort of. Uh, uh, will credit you. Oh, you get some sort of credit. Oh, okay. Uh, in this, be pay a certain amount. Uh, so I wasn't sure what the deal was with the GoFundMe. If if you were able to offer rewards and things like that, so that's super cool that you get a little bit of something, a little uh, little credit. It looks like they're not asking for you to donate zillions of dollars, ten bucks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for a few bucks, throw a few bucks at them. Maybe they uncover something. It's interesting. Yeah, it'd be. I mean, if they know they've got something, right? Well, if they get a, a, a four grand Canadian, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, eh. let's go in the basement." It's like, "Oh, they they threw all that stuff." Sorry, out last eh. week. it all went in the incinerator. Right. It's like, "Oh, we're burned." Right. So then then it got problems. But yeah, it might be kind of fun. I expect to see something come out of this. I will say that. Absolutely. So hopefully they'll release something cool to the community when it's all said and done. All right, Aaron, our next story is a uh, spotlight on, speaking of the Amiga 1000, the Amiga 1000. So, uh, (laughs) of course, the 8-bit guy, uh, sort of a polarizing yet extremely famous figure in the world of classic computers, has released a new video about the history of the Commodore Amiga 1000. And uh, listen, Aaron, I got to tell you, all the sort of online drama about this guy put aside, I was a huge fan of this video. Yeah. Uh, Oh, listen, yeah, you can't, I mean, yeah. Listen, everybody's got a thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I will say the guy does good work uh, on this. And, and I, I actually watched this myself. Uh, it was quite interesting. I'm flipping through this quick because otherwise the, the, the YouTube gods will right. come down on us right. with furious anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is good. I watched all of it, his whole series. I've watched all of these. It was quite good. Uh, and uh, he's an excellent uh, he's an excellent uh, presenter for this sort of information. And he's he's created a lot of uh, y- you know bespoke art pieces. Like when he's talking about the way the different chips work, he's actually drawn diagrams and things that explain this. So yeah, uh, if you are, of course, you know, obviously everybody watching the show has some idea of what the Amiga One Thousand is. But like I said, this video kind of rekindled my excitement about owning one of these machines. Uh, it is you know super unique in the realm of all of the Amiga computers. And uh, and so I enjoyed this, and uh, I recommend it. Yeah, I should mention that if uh, if you watched the last International Computer Club, uh, the, you know uh, the eight bit guys, Petsky or his Petsky robots, mm-hmm. Petsky robots, that was the fellow that Curtis interviewed. Is the guy that's 
converting that over to the Coco. So that's the anyway, way he wrote that. Yeah, I yeah, if you knew yeah. I did. I, that was another thing that I knew about him. I'm yeah. sort of a newcomer to the eight bit guys. So. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, like I said, I some I try to put away more dumb things aside when I watch these videos. Uh, and uh, I, I enjoy his I enjoy his stuff. He's he's a he's a good hand, as they say. He is. He is. All right, Aaron. Coming soon. Dude, t- this is the week for launching your Kickstarter. Oh apparently. man! Now this one, <laughs> this thing's been all over the place. Holy smokes, Aaron! There's a new mouse in town, and it's not really new because it's the tank mouse, but it's back. Okay, the Hold tank on a second. mouse. I, yes, I'm just looking at the goal here. Holy smokes. So that's a huge goal. First of all, let's talk about the tank mouse. All right. The tank mouse, not necessarily the most revered mouse that's ever been created. It's it, cool looking. It's though. cool looking. You're just making us the t-shirt boat. Don't but it's it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 right there. It's 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 right there with the hockey puck mouse that came with the original iMac in no, terms of in terms of I don't comfort. agree with that. I think this thing's I'll, I'll these things were great. It's just they got old, man. I I'll always love I love the mouse. The I like the structure. I like a big beefy hand filling mouse mm. me like mm-hmm. look at this thing like what is that that's not a big that's beefy mouse yeah. i want something you could beat a man to death with a throw like a grenade right right you know then that's what the amiga 1000 mouse was it was awesome well listen here and this thing might be for you then because what they've done here is they've recreated the tank mouse they've reimagined it yeah and this is a of course a two button mouse but in the middle they've taken that middle section that was heretofore unused and they've turned they put a little invisible scroll wheel in there yeah this thing looks like it's using the latest in mouse technology, and it's also completely Amiga compatible. So you can use this thing on your modern PC and your classic Amiga. Now, Aaron, let's talk about what they're asking for this thing. Yeah, okay. that's what I got my eye the second we came over well, here. Well, their goal is, uh, is it's, it's uh, they're, they're asking for a lot of money. That's like not, almost 90 Gs. $90,000. $90, that's a lot of money to produce a mouse. Now, I'm sure that material costs, injection molding costs, things like that, I'm sure that it's, it, 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 maybe it costs that much. I have no idea. But the actual price of the mouse itself is not bad, Aaron. What's it going for? The price of the mouse itself is only 36 euro. Okay? That's about 50 bucks. 50? Uh, it's like 40. 40, 40 bucks. bucks. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you buy a nice mouse, it's going to cost you at least 40 and bucks. And this comes with a, a receiver that'll fit in the Amiga. Is that how it works? Uh, it doesn't say what. Because you said it was a fully Amiga compatible. That's what uh, I wanted. Yeah, I was, I was looking at the thing here, and it doesn't say exactly what it. I'm assuming that it will, uh, that it comes it with says all here, the tank accessories. tank mouse operates under Bluetooth or 2.4 gigahertz. It can be used with your original. Let's see here. Uh, Bluetooth. Further computers say small USB receivers included. Bam. Okay, yeah. I'm in. So, I'm buying one of these. You got to have it with that scroll gimmick. Right. I think that's, that's a good super angle. neat. I think that's super neat. They're not asking for a lot. Like I said, the, the overall goal is a lot of money. But hopefully, because they've set this thing at the right price, they'll just be able to get a lot of little drops in the bucket. I wonder if it comes with that little gimmick. That's I. I was. If they're going to hit you up for more bucks, then we're going into the wide zone here. Yeah, I, I don't. I, Anybody know? Does it come with the USB? And Chad, if you know what it is, if you know if it comes with it for the same price, let me know. Listen, 50, 40 bucks for a, a a wireless tank mouse. That seems like a good deal to me. Yeah. The gimmick in the middle. Mm-hmm. I like That's that. That's cool. The Amiga. I like that. I like that angle. Mm-hmm. Might be worth. Now, the funny thing is, Boat. Here's something most people don't know. The uh, your boy here owns probably five or six tank mouse. 
I bought, uh, I saw a guy sell them on eBay years, like 10, 15 years ago. He had a, a bulk ton of them, mm -hmm. and I bought them all. I thought, you know, these might be valuable to have someday. And the, the, now those tank mounts are going for halfway decent cash. Mm. You know, well, I've got a couple. Crazy. I've got a couple at the house. I may have to the let funny go. thing is uh, they're horrible. <laughs> As you know, how many times have we tried to play like Marvel? Wait a minute. Madness I literally just said the tank mouse was crap. No, and no. You're like, no, it's no, not crap. No, I, no, I'm saying. And you also did that dance. No, no, no one's ever done. It looks like the inflatable guy that stands out in front of the car lot. I'm saying the ones from 1985 are horrible. Yeah. The balls all jacked up. But these are, these are, these don't have a ball. Right, right. Well, that's, they're going to be better. They're going to be better. They're going to be better. Um, so, anyway. You're dying to kill is, me on this. They look cool. This I'm is, in. This is, all you have to do is search for Tank Mouse, your new Amiga mouse on Kickstarter. You can. And Aaron, we'll, we'll keep track of this. This still has a month to go, so in a couple weeks, we'll check back in. I mean, let me ask you a question. Okay, man. Use your expert Amiga knowledge. All right. Which is vast. You got the shirt. Yeah. Right? Does this thing hit the mark? Oh, heck yeah. You think so? Eight? Look, that's, they, that's there, a the, lot of money. Because this thing launched, I think this thing launched like... Two days this, ago. Yeah, two days ago. So they're halfway there. Yeah, but you never... I mean, they're not halfway there. They're almost at 42%, They man. need 50 Gs to get there. 42% of their goal. That's a lot of money. I'm going to say they don't make it. Well, I'm an optimist, do. and I believe in... Are you going to get one of these for your Amiga 1000? No, because I have a mouse that works great with my Amiga 1000. What are you using? Just another Amiga mouse that's not the tank mouse. Oh. I'm going to buy one. All right, like Aaron. Good. That's a good find, boat. Nice work. And our final story comes to us from, of course, we can't let a news segment go by without highlighting the goodness that is Indie Retro News. Aaron, there is a first oh, test man. version of Wolfenstein 3D that's coming up for the Amiga 1200 by old BZ Zilly. Sounds like a, Zilly. like a rap name Gangsta. Or yeah. Yeah. So, Aaron, you told me last week that Wolfenstein never really did it for you. You were when you said when you saw this, it didn't floor you like it did when you saw. Well, Doom. I mean, it's kind of fun to play, but mm -hmm. I mean, it, no, Doom was much more impressive. You're like, holy smokes! But this was still pretty good. Uh, you know, I would I've liked to have had on the Amiga. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I had a look at this, and to me, it looks pretty spot on with the PC version. Um, the uh, they were game runs really smooth. It seemed like you, <laughs> you know see this opening menu here. I got to laugh. You look at this right here. Let's make sure that your Amiga has a sound blaster and, <laughs> and an ad lib card. The ad lib card. God, get those out. Here we go. Here we go. Those things. What a piece of crap those things were. <laughs> I've seen the LHRs. It's like, oh my God, let's worship at the feet of the ad lib. You couldn't give those away. What about back the, the $600 MT1 listen, MIDI enhancer listen, add on? Those are no one wants them. <laughs> And the thing is, because of that one guy, like these things are going over like gangbusters. Wouldn't it be great to have that sort of power? I wish I'd kept all my old weird PC devices. I'd call him up and say, "Listen, I'll cut you in. Do a do a do a show on the Gravis four player joystick converter, and then I'd sell that thing for like twenty grand." That's right. Man, I wish we had that kind it. of power. That's but how you my do God. It. So this, anyway, if you actually move forward to the game itself. You Sorry, I'm see, ranting. You can see that this thing, I mean, look at it. To me, that looks the same as it did. It looks better than it did on my PC because of my PC. Yeah, it no, it doesn't no? look better. No. Why not? I mean, just look at the way the walls are. They're, it, the resolution's lower. Oh. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is a, it's not crap. Mm. I'm just saying that you, there's, a, there's a marked difference. Mm. 
but it looks, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It's got the FPS. Do we know what kind of Amiga 1200 this is in? Is this just a stock or does it have like a triple so Lindy card you, What in you're going to need is the old uh, two meg fast RAM, three megs of free disk space. You also need, this is one of those games that wants you to do it right. You got to get the Wolf 3D6 episode registered data files. So you actually have oh, to that's own no a real problem. copy of the game, or do a five-second search. Yeah, I was going to say. Archive. I always like when they re- like we can't give you right. the files. So it's eighty-year-old game, but um, and it says that ad-lib sounds and music are not currently supported, but planned. How are you going to work the ad-lib sound into the Amiga, Aaron? Here's a here's how you do it. I can simulate ad-lib. Go get you a kazoo. <laughs> All right, get real liquored up. I just play it like that. That's how you play it. That's the game. It's kind of something like the theme for Monkey Island. And if you're playing Ad Lib Doom, that's that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Ad Lib. I had Tandy sound. It crushed Ad Lib. Get that out, Aaron. We've come to the end of the news this week. You know, while I'm chewing up AdLib, the Amiga crushed AdLib. Like, uh, I mean, people were getting excited about AdLib. Get it out. Yeah, the Amiga sound does crush Are you AdLib. kidding me? We got the Amiga? I care about AdLib I'll sound. tell you what else, what else crushes AdLib, Aaron. What? That's RetroRewind.ca. I've heard that. I heard about this guy. I heard he's the bomb, boat. Listen, Give me the scoop. There's new stuff coming up all the time on RetroRewind, and we haven't really featured, you know, his latest and greatest products in a while. So this week, Aaron, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the A600 1200 Compact Flash 2 IDE adapter. All right. Now, Aaron, you've had a cup of coffee with one of these things before, haven't you? I've used not that particular one, but I have had a cup of coffee with these in the past. They were they were a trial, so if I may say. What this allows you to do is, of course, you connect a Compact Flash card to the internal IDE port on the Amiga 600 and 1200. That was, yeah. you know, sort of the Trojan horse of the 600. For all its foibles, it did come with that internal Trojan horse. <laughs> You act like it was hot. First of all, the whole thing's good. The, the Amiga 600, they've made it great after all these years. But that was one of the best parts of That's it. What back in the day. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So uh, now, Aaron, check in your this own out. Way. Yeah. You, uh, you actually placed a one of these things inside the Amiga 600. It's yeah. currently at my house. Not one of these, one of the uh, uncool Wait, ones. Wait, one of the uncool ones. Yeah. I recall it was affixed with a, a generous amount of electrical tape. It was not, it, for one thing, it was too long. <laughs> there was cave. It was an ugly, disgusting mess. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Frank has 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 done you one better, surprisingly. Oh and wow, stunning! He uh, he says that their Compact Flash ID adapter is the world's first and only one, Aaron, with buffering. Okay, yeah. And this separates a total of twenty four signals from the rest of the system. This improves the signals and thus contributes to stabilizing the system. So if you if you've had you know bojangles going on with your Amiga six hundred where things are crashed and you don't understand why WHD load won't work and you're using one of these older compact flash adapters, what you need to do is toss that thing into the garbage mm. and get yourself a stable solution from RetroRewind.ca. No. I need to get one of those. And I'll tell you what, you're not wrong. I know you're kind of goofy, but you're not wrong. Because one of the things about these, uh, the, like when you order one of these generic compact flash ID things, like you don't work, where did it come from? Don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, And there's all kinds of different ones. Does it going to work? Don't know. I've had a couple just flat out wouldn't work on the Amiga. And what do you do with them? Well, you paid whatever, you trash them. Right. You, know, you can't do anything with them. So at least if you get one from the Frank, you know that, it, number one, it's going to work. It's going to work on the Amiga. And, oh, by the way, it's better than any of the other ones you can buy. Makes sense. That's right. That's right. And guess what? You can get this thing for the low, low price of $45, Aaron. And on top of that, save yourself 10% 
by using the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout. You can save 10% off this, off any order from Retro Rewind. We do appreciate Retro Rewind CEA, and we thank them for being a sponsor of Amigos. What a steal, Boat. It's the way I look at it. It said he's giving it away. That's right. Speaking of giving it away, Aaron, it's public domainia. Oh, man. They're giving these games away. I'm not... <laughs> Must we, Boat? <laughs> well, let's... Let's we're, we've got two games this week, so let's go ahead and pick one to start off with. Let's go ahead and the first game on the docket. If okay. I may, if I may uh, lead the dance, sure, here, man. We're going to talk about a little fellow called Top Hat Willie. By the way, I've got a cousin named Willie. Really? You know that? Yeah. No. You remember that Eminem commercial that was out years ago? They said the guy would go, kind of look like your cousin Willie. Remember that one like, at the end? Was it for Eight Mile? No, it was from the M and M's. That was Reese's Pieces. Oh, the candy. Yeah, okay. Eight Mile. Yeah, you said it was an M and M commercial. Not that guy. Oh, listen, I'm not going to do stick with you because I want to talk about Top Hat Willie. It's Top Hat Willie boat from Finland. Finland. I've got, look what I've got here in my notes. Big letters from <laughs> Finland. Finland. The I'm other not, big F. I'm not going to let the uh, the Finland folk not get their just due here. You got to. Uh, this was uh, published and developed by Overflow Productions. Boat. I love it. Overflow. That's a good name. It Released is a good name. October 4th, 1994. And with Overflow is uh, an outfit that's basically Tiro. I'm going to try to pronounce this boat. Tiro Haikinen. Yeah, I think you did a good and job. And Petri Kikinen. Yeah. All right, two different guys. Haikinen and Kikinen. That's right. They call them the HK. I wonder if those are traditional Finnish names. I'm willing to bet they didn't come up with them. They're not stage names. I like the name Petri, and I also like the name Taro. Yeah. That's pretty good. T-E-R-O. Um, there's also a DOS port of this. It looks identical. Really? By the way, yeah. Uh, so... This is a game made in Amos, the uh, ever popular gaming programming language on the Amiga, which is another thing that was the Amiga has. A, that was a great little piece of kit there. So, uh, Top Hat Willie, I'm not gonna lie to you. This is sort of, kind of based. <laughs> There's a, a passing resemblance on a game you may <laughs> have heard of uh, called Jet Set Willie, which you know I like Manic Miner. Uh, to a lesser extent, Jet Set Willy. This is more like Jet Set Willy, and this is a game that was uh, that was really made super famous on the ZX Spectrum. Although it's been everywhere, it's done everything, boat. And so it turns out that the guys that made this were super big fans, and they thought to themselves, "Hey, we can make a game like this and put it on the Amiga." And lo, it came to pass, mm -hmm. uh, boat. And here it is. Um, of course. Uh, if you've ever played Jet Set Willy, it's not what I would call full of uh, 3D graphics and volumetric fog. No. It's more uh, basic because, like I said, it mostly gained its reputation as the Spectrum. And so what they did was they were like, listen, we're not going to violate the spirit of this game. We're going to basically Spectrum this thing up. And so they made it a little more colorful. Uh, and they made the song substantially more tolerable. Yeah, substantial. So that's uh, an understatement. <laughs> but uh, pretty much, aside from that, they mm -hmm. kept with the low, kind of low-end graphics. Mm -hmm. I was also sad to notice that the little, your extra men don't dance like yeah, they do in the other one. That's I unfortunate. Miss, I did miss that. Mm -hmm. So uh, in this game, you basically, this is a flip screen uh, uh, game where you gather uh, 160 pieces of trash. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're selling it. You're oh, it's not me. I'm just telling you what to do. So you guide, I'm going to read this as the verbatim of the notes. Guide Willie around his vast and very strange mansion. It is very strange. 
filled with death traps and dangerous creatures such as rolling razors, bunny rabbits, and flying TV sets to collect flashing items. The flashing items, by the way, that's the pieces of trash. Why could they just not make it pieces of trash? (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't they make it jewels, you know? I don't know what to tell you. An elixir. I don't know what to tell you, man. So, Boat, uh, this also has your favorite, the old room names. I know you're a fan. Yep, yep. Uh, I think uh, uh, most of this speaks for itself. I'll go into the into more detail about the guy that made this, but what did you think about this as it popped up? I'm assuming you didn't know this was going to be a Jet Set Willy revival, because I, I know you're not the biggest fan of those games. You're right, I'm not. But I knew exactly what this game was, because this is the one week that you you neglected to ask me, have you played this one before? Uh, if you would have, I would have said yes, and this I'll tell you why. This is the one week, because I thought there's no way you would have played this before. <laughs> this was an Amigos High Score Challenge yes. game. Yes, in fact, the video we're watching ago. is from that High Score Challenge, courtesy Z9K9. You're yeah. watching him play right so now. So I have played this one before, and uh, this one, I will say, uh, it does do more for me than the original Jet Set Willy, or okay. the original Manic Miner. I think I can guess why, but go ahead. Well, it, it works for me pretty much on every level better. Number one, the music does not immediately make you want to tear off your ears. You can't turn it off on the okay. Spectrum version. But, I mean, it's there. Yeah, it's, it's it is horrible. It's double horrible. Right, right, okay. Number two, uh, the game is not as punishingly difficult for me get-go. I agree. Okay. Number three, the house that you're exploring, the, 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 the rooms that you're exploring make a little bit more sense in terms of what they're supposed to like correspond to as far as the room goes. It kind of gave me that Adams Family feel a little bit, you know, where you go in the different rooms of the house. Number five, I like the fact that there's multiple items in each room that you can collect. So you're not just trying to get through a room and go on to the next thing. Yeah. And they use that. They know what they're doing when they made the levels like right. that. Yeah. Number six, I love, love, love the fact that there is a stated objective at the beginning of the game and there is a completion percentage yeah. of how many of the rooms that you've explored. Because guess what? Nobody's going to set out to try and beat Top Hat Willie on the first go. Okay? <laughs> I want to meet that guy. Well, Holy smokes, that yeah. robot. So, listen... When you can play this game, and the first time that you play, you get 16% of the way through, and then you're like, I'm going to fire this thing up again. And then you get 30% the second way through. You're like, man, I did twice as good. The game is telling me I did twice as good. You didn't get those percentages, did you? Okay, I was going to be stunned to hear that. here's the thing. You know, being able, when the game tells you, in a game like this, a huge maze-like game, when it gives you some sense of progression, how far you've made it, that makes you feel good, and that makes you want to play it more. Yeah. I, I, you know... I agree with everything you said. I think the controls are tighter on this. Mm-hmm. Much tighter. Uh, I think that the the levels. Uh, listen, let's not kid yourselves here. We don't want to. We don't want to lead the people on. This game is rock hard. Yeah. But it's nowhere near as rock hard as Manic Miner or any, and certainly not in the same stratosphere as Jet Set Willy. Jet right. Set Willy is. I mean, it's bash your face into the into the keyboard hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is still hard, but I mean, you could actually you have a shot at it. Exactly. Uh, this game's also beatable <laughs> out of the gate because, and I'll get into that in a minute. But it, it uh, it's beatable. Apparently, there were two versions uh, that one that fixed a, a few slight bugs. But I found the game. I mean, I can only get as far as I could get. But I found the game fairly uh, bug free. I didn't feel like I was getting screwed. This is one of those games. Where the uh, uh, the level designer, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about Manic Miner was the fact that the genius that 
that made that game, his diabolical brain came up with these unbelievably inventive, and I use inventive in terms of killing you, mm-hmm. levels of the game. This, I don't think Top Hat Willie is quite, the least parts I saw, I don't think it's quite on that well, level. yeah, I agree with you. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because the other one was so diabolical that it was it was brutal. Well, the, I think that the Manic Miner and Jet Set Willie are binary states where it's like you either fail or you get through. This game gives you a little bit more leeway in how you approach, you know, avoiding the enemies and moving through the rooms. There's even multiple paths, of course, through the house. You can either go right yeah. or go left in the beginning. It also, when you get something and if you die, it doesn't, you don't have to go back and get it again, which I, I like that. Yeah. That's a. Yeah. To me, this is sort of like this weird synthesis of the ZX Spectrum and the Amiga. It's a weird love child because if you look at the enemies, they're all single color, they're all outlines. It reminds me of that ultimate play the game game Underworld, which uh, actually I did that show. That was the only R. Sinclair that I did with Brent. Uh, the Brent stepped in on with that one. And uh, but this is a very similar game to uh, to the enemies that you see in Underworld. These are just they're not nearly as annoying. This is a much better game than Underworld. Um, but uh, this is uh, it's weird. I mean, have you ever played a game that reminded you so much of a ZX Spectrum game on the Amiga? Not the, right off the top of my head. This this of course this is meant to be like that. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was doing uh, when he made it. Uh, this game it's funny. Uh, of course, like I mentioned, there's a DOS port of this. Unless it's identical looking. This game actually has a, a pretty decent fan base, which mm-hmm. I was surprised to to find out. Uh, I was also you can imagine my surprise when I went to search for video for this and our site came up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we did have a high score challenge, just like you said. Uh, but uh, uh, I read, I found a fan page for this. It was a guy from Columbus, Ohio. He said he beat he beat this game in Columbus. He was very proud of himself. He also said he wrote the uh, author, and the author congratulated him. <laughs> uh, the author worked on this. It was like a family affair. He worked on it with his brothers uh, to get it working. Uh, he'd had a couple other games, but the big news that out of the interview that I found from him was that all but completed was a Top Hat Willie 2. Really? And he's got actual there. If, if you notice around the web, you can find screenshots of it. But uh, ultimately what happened was they said that uh, – the the Amiga was sort of falling out of favor, and they found some bugs they couldn't get rid of, and so they ultimately just scrapped the whole thing. But I mean, it was well on. It would be great if somebody could pick that up and, and you know finish it off. It's funny because in the interview they asked him about if he has the source code and stuff, and he says, as far as he knows, all the source code's still in the Amiga discs, and you know, <laughs> so I guess someone made could do that. Who knows? But yeah, I, I would I think this in terms of what he was going for. I mean. We've got to. We've got to consider this is a this is an homage, all right? So uh, he's, but it's still mostly original stuff. It's, I mean, it feels like it feels a lot like uh, Jet Set Willy, but and I like it. It's not as manic either. Mm-hmm. I don't. Oh I mean, yeah, the enemies don't move. I mean, the enemies move quick, but they don't fly like they do. I mean, this really, if you're going to play these games, this is probably the one you start with, yes. and then you move yes. to Manic Miner. That's right. And then once, you, if you can get past this, then Manic Miner, then you roll into Jet Set Willy, which I mean, is the king dog of pain. This is the kind of game that you could still make today for the Amiga and release it as an indie game. I mean, all you'd have to do, maybe you'd, and maybe you wouldn't even have to change the graphics. Maybe there's some charm in the fact that the, the, the enemies look like ZX Spectrum enemies. 
but you could even flesh, you could make the enemies a little bit more colorful. You leave the backgrounds pretty much as they are, release this as a thing on itch.io or something, and you've got something. As long as you've got solid levels, and these levels are solid, this is sort of an evergreen genre that people that love this stuff, they can't get enough of it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. And I, this is, a, I, I'd never heard of this one that you had, but this is one that look up if you're into those ZX games, uh, which God knows on Arts and Clare, we've played a, a lot of these sort of, these sort of games, but this is certainly would fit right in. I think this is really, uh, I mean, I can see why people are looking at this and be like, this is an Amiga game. Like, screw you. And if you've got, if you're a graphics guy right. and you can't handle the graphics and sound, yeah, move on. But if this is your, if you like these, uh, single screen, uh, super hard games, I think it's a, a real good choice. Yeah. I should mention you get nine willies in this. Mm-hmm. I do also, just before we close up, I want to mention that I do like what I do like the percentage. Like you mentioned, uh, I like the fact that it tells you how many items you got left. That gives you some uh, ray of hope, right? You know, to try to right. beat this game. And nine lives have never went so quickly <laughs> that they will go uh, very fast. Did we get any uh, Discord on this, Bozo? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We start things off with Pajaco sixty five zero two. He says, "For a PD homage to Jet Set Willy, this isn't too bad." Whilst we all know that the Amiga is capable, having seen the travesty that was the official release of Jet Set Willy two on the Amiga. I'm glad the developers stuck to something a little more old school. My main problem with it on the whole is that whilst it looks like a Jet Set Willy game, Top Hat Willy moves and jumps differently. So yes. I felt a little off to start with, and I wasn't a fan of enemies being able to pass through some platforms. Overall, this game plays and feels like Jet Set Willy from a parallel dimension. It has familiar enemies and rooms that are reminiscent of the original. Whilst I died a lot, I kept playing, so it's doing something right. So. You know, I want to. He brought up a point that I wanted to bring up and totally forgot about. There are areas in this where you you have to jump up to go, and you're almost sort of jumping in the background. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like for like ramps. Right. Mm-hmm. It can be tricky. It's tricky, <laughs> and sometimes you want to get on the stairs, and the stairs don't want to be getting yeah. gotten on. And also, he mentioned something here that this wouldn't really affect us as much because uh, let's face facts: you've had a cup of coffee with the Spectrum games, and I've played them a little more. But if you're a real hardcore Jet Set Willy player or you're a Manic Miner, he's right. This guy doesn't move or move around like Jet Set Willy. Mm-hmm. And so there will be a learning curve. That doesn't mean he moves poorly, but right. I think he moves better. Mm-hmm. But if you're used to the, and of course, in those games, you have to have that pixel perfect jumping. And if you've programmed yourself to do well at those, they can make this game uh, more of a challenge early on, but you'll get right. the hangout. Absolutely. We got another review here from Z9K9, whose playthrough we're watching right now. He says, A most agreeable new Willy, pumped up to nearly <laughs> twice the original size and hardness. This does a good job of adapting the pixel perfect platforming to a higher resolution, less tiptoeing on edges, more timing and reactions. Everything moves faster, and you find yourself zooming quite nicely around the big house. The map maintains the variety and ingenious routing of the Spectrum game. Whether you're getting pleasantly lost in exploration or knuckling down, joystick firm in hand as you attempt to reach completion, this is a very pleasant game all around, 8 out of 10. Nice double entendres there as well. What? You didn't catch those? No. Don't bother reading that again. No. Yeah, I agree. Good stuff. Good, And, of course, he would love it. He was great at it. So there you go. So that right there is our look at the Top Hat Man, Top Hat. Well, now, of course, this is public domainia. Mm-hmm. We don't do one game, but that's for suckers. We do the we double up. Double up. And uh, so, uh. like, you got to do this, too. <laughs> do it. So, 
With that said, bam, it's time for our second choice. It's microbes. Yep. How apropos. Yep. Uh, it's microbes time. Bo, have you ever played this game? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So, uh, microbes uh, published in '92. Now, this was a, one of one of the disc games that came in a magazine. In this case, it was Amiga format uh, number thirty-five, disc B, disc B. It's funny. I was going to put a picture of the disc up on the screen to make it look all cool, but. All I had on it was utilities and then tiny lettuce that said microbes. <laughs> like it's the teeny tiniest lettuce. Like, ah, screw that. Uh, this one was done, by, this was developed by a real outfit and made by real people. Not yeah. to disparage the top <laughs> willy people. I guess I sort of did. Didn't Except I? for the burial but, there. Uh, de- developed by Vision, and we don't mean the Avenger. Uh, uh, so Vision actually did a bunch of games. I can mm-hmm. believe this. That developed. Uh, including uh, Robo, Breathless, Crash and Burn. They did the Dragon's Lair 1 and 2 games. Uh, Gnome, Prime Mover, which I remember we played that on here. Roadkill, which we played. Ultimate Pinball Quest, which we played. Woody's World. Did we play Woody's World? Yeah, yeah well, uh, I played it on the Ultimate Ranking of Amiga Platform. Oh, man. That, well, you need to bring that series back. They're all great. <laughs> and, and Seek and Destroy. Uh, he did. They did a lot. And this was coded by Paul Andrews. Uh, Paul Andrews did Cybernetics, uh, Gnome, Kiro's Quest, Roadkill, Seek and Destroy, Woody's World, and another couple of our faves from back in the day, Zombie Apocalypse 1 and 2. Oh, man. Yeah. Still and think it, about Joe the Zombie's Zombie Hour yeah, Power. Hour Power. Yeah. It's one of the few things I remember <laughs> yeah. from that year. Uh, the graphics were by a fellow named Rodney Smith. He pretty much said most of what we, we talked about here. Plus, he also worked on the Skidmark series, Series 7 and Overkill, and the music from Blair... Uh, oh boy, Zapichich, who worked on Cybernetics, Roadkill, Seek and Destroy, Woody's World, uh, as well. So pretty much, these this was almost like a team that worked together here. I guess these guys were all part of Vision. I looked into Vision. I didn't catch really find a whole lot about it. Did you find anything out about Vision? Well, I found out that this game was originally supposed to be a, a commercial release. I assumed that, frankly. Uh, they ran into trouble. They released a game called Gnome for yeah. a publisher called Linnell. Yeah, it's Lionel. Is yeah. it Lionel? Yeah. Okay. Oh wait, no, that's a different publisher. It's I've a, never seen that one before. Yeah, my and, bad. And so, uh, and so in Lionel, Linnell, whatever, uh, they've released tons of games. Some of which we've played. Some of which look pretty good. Remember, we were supposed to play Traders that one week. That's the only time we've had to change the game because nobody could get it to work. Yeah. Oh okay. gosh, I forgot. That was a long time ago. They also did Never Ending Story Two. <laughs> False advertising. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, they ran into trouble because I guess they didn't get paid after they released Gnome. And so they're like, screw you guys. We're making this thing PD. And we're going to rake in the big bucks. Well, they didn't really make it PD. It was a magazine. So well, that's true. Like, you yourself told me that the magazines paid the top dollar. They did. They paid top dollar. Do you so, really believe that? Uh, I think that they probably paid more than a lot of people made making the game and releasing I'm it. I'm just saying, why, why did they put it in tiny letters? Listen, I would have been like micro. That's a different team that does all yeah, the art, I guess you're so right. you never know. But yeah. anyway, um, that was basically the, the the backstory that I found was that this game came about as a result of a publishing dispute with Lionel. You know, they've got this listed on Lemon as uh, shareware. Uh, so, but I mean, I guess I'm assuming this is the full version. Well, of this. no, when you uh, when you start the game, it says, "Please send us some money." I saw that, but I yeah. mean, that, that's, that's what shareware is. Oh, I see. So it's the full version. See, for me, once I see that, I just I tune that out. Mm-hmm. 
I saw that, and they, and they kind of guilt you a little bit. Yeah, it's like we, we yeah. definitely need. Well, they, what they what they said is that all the money that we get from this sale, we're going to pour into the next game. Yeah, well, so, I hope I hope it worked out for them. Yeah. So, Microbes, I like this even mention when you boot it up. Microbes is a um, a loving tribute to Tempest. Yeah, in a way. Now, Tempest, holy smokes! Uh, this is a game uh, that used Atari's uh, incredible color vector graphics in the arcade and uh was really the game that popularized popularized the dial as a game control holy mackerel what a great game that was i mean all-time classic and uh one of the hardest games to keep running because i know people in milton and a couple other places that have these things and own them man that those color vector monitors are oh man they're expensive to fix too brother i bet so of course, this isn't a color vector game. In fact, this deviates uh, quite a bit from the actual uh, Tempest well, formula. Yeah, I was going to say, aside from you being, uh, you know, uh, on a circular track around yeah. the stage, that's where the similarity with Tempest ends. It's sort of like Tempest and Gyrus had a son, and then and and, and then Doctor Mario yeah, walked in. Right, right. Know? It's not you're <laughs> not wrong. What a weird combo yeah, that yeah. is. So, both explain to the people what you're what's going on here. Okay, so. You can the, the way that I've heard this described, and I don't know if this is canon or not. I'm not sure how. <laughs> don't do that while I'm drinking. It's canon. Get it out. So there's a. You could kind of picture yourself as a microscopic warrior. Have you ever seen the movie Inner Space? No. Okay. Well, there's a movie where they, this guy had to shrink himself way down low to do battle. Is with it this Martin evening. Short in that? I, one of those guys, yeah. Jeff Goldblum, whoever. So. There's a, uh, in that movie, you get shrunk down in a spaceship and you go and you do battle with evil microbes. We can imagine yourself doing the same thing here, except you're inside a Petri dish and you're only allowed to traverse the edges of the Petri dish. Yeah. In the center of the Petri dish, you've got the microbes themselves, but then you've also got viruses and the viruses spawn out of the microbes. Yeah. So the microbes are like these like pulsating uh, orbs. And every once in a while, they will disappear and a virus will spring forth and travel towards the edge of the screen. The microbes themselves also multiply. So you're battling things that are coming towards you, sort of floating towards you in the viruses. But then you're also battling the microbes, which are sort of growing organically from the center of the screen. Uh, Your job is to shoot everything. Yeah, that's it. I never thought of this as a Petri dish though you said that, but yes. Absolutely, that's exactly what it could be. Uh, you're looking at maybe if you look at the microscope, maybe you're controlling this thing. We should have wrote the backstory for that's this. True. That would have been awesome. Now, the game has uh, controls that are a little bit different uh, uh, for a game. Uh, it's left and right controls, and they basically spin you around. And that's the way you do it, right. by the way. Right. And then you've got, I believe it's hitting up. Well, actually, detonate your mega bomb or well, whatever. This is another game where there are two types of bombs. Okay. Okay. If you hit up, then you detonate the bomb that kills the microbes. Yeah. If you hit down, you detonate the bomb that kills the viruses. No kidding. Yeah, there's two separate smart bomb. Where is the second this. listing of the number for the other bomb? I didn't know. I didn't realize. Oh, you mean it's the same bomb? It, yeah, it's the oh, same bomb. Oh, yes. I understand yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was confused what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of how this thing played? I mean, well, did you I want to talk. I want to talk a second about how it looks. Oh, please. Yeah. This is yet another nail in the coffin for all you AGA apologists out oh, there. Oh, here we go. Because this game is super duper mega colorful. Yeah. It is so colorful in the way the colors are used. I mean, this looks like it could be an arcade game. This looks eh. so good. It looks so good. 
And the way that the explosions happen, the way that the, the, the all of these, the, you've got to see this game to believe it. If you're listening to the audio version, stop what you're doing right now. Stop your car, pull out your smartphone, and look at look at how colorful this game is. This game, and it's not just the colors, it's the way that it uses the gradients. It uses gradients in a good way, not the bad AGA way. This game is probably the most colorful, oh, best-looking shooter I've ever here played we go. on the Amiga. If I had a nickel, first time I heard that. I'm just saying it's th- true. This is the best something, something. I'd be a Megan I'm just saying it's true. Now, this game is not the most exciting shooter that I've ever played in my life. Uh, this game, it starts you out and you're, you're, you're basically, you're shooting these things that are growing very slowly from the center of the screen. And you sort of expect that there that something else is bad that's going to happen. But for a long time, you can shoot those things and nothing else occurs, okay? <laughs> yeah. And then eventually the viruses come out and then you shoot them and then it's the end of the level. Right. And then you do that again. And you do it again. You do it five or six times. And then you start getting these, uh, these sort of blockades, these barriers on the screen that impede the way that you can shoot the viruses, okay? And so you've got to come up with clever ways to to shoot around those things but the core of the game is still the same the problem with this game and this is sort of a controversial opinion for me given given you know i think this game is too easy i think you can get too far in this game before it starts to get difficult it's got to be one of the only times you've ever said that on this show yeah it's funny you should say that because i looked we i actually got a review for this i'll go ahead and talk about it. it's amiga power uh number 15 they actually reviewed this game which is funny considering it was on another on another Amiga magazine's disc, but they give it a—they only give it like a one out of five, one out of five. And the reviewer, I read the review. I'm like, man, he can't because I—I looked at it. I hadn't played it yet. And I was like, what's why'd he kill it? And he says almost identically to what you said. This looks great. It's a Tempest knockoff. It feels good. Plays good. He goes, wait a minute. I can crush this game without even paying attention. No, too easy. Way too easy. It's so fine. I'm, well, it. I'm glad that I wasn't the only one. That and then I, you know, it's, now I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was mega, mega easy, you know, but I mean, once you learn how to control your smart bombs and you've got a shield in this. And so anytime one of the germs gets to the edge of the Petri dish, I guess that you call it, it gets, it gets into your shield. And mm-hmm. so you've got to kind of continuous. That's one big difference from Tempest where they could come out. You just had to avoid them. And this, they actually affect you. They affect your shield. Right. You right. know? And so you've got to, you've got to make them, uh, stay in the, inside the, the circle. But, I mean, still, your shield is pretty... They give you a goodly amount of shield. They do. They do. And they give you a goodly amount of men when you start the game, yeah, too. Yeah, they do. The thing that is great about uh, Tempest is that it's manic. I mean, from the get-go, oh, yeah. you're spinning around. Now, you can't do that with this game. I think one of the, the problems, the reason why Tempest has never has struggled to always have a good home conversion is because... You have to slow the game down because it's impossible to play the game at the speed you played in the arcade with a joystick rather than a dial. With the dial, you can you can you know, make these precise movements. Yeah, and and you just can't do that with the joystick. It'd so be I, great to have a dial. It would be. be a lot of it fun. would be. And so you know, I can't fault the, these guys for making the game easier than Tempest. I just would have liked to have seen the difficulty ramp up, maybe at stage three instead of stage five or six. I think they dropped the ball full stop on the enemies in this. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the idea of shooting the micros, but I just don't like the way that they lay them out. There's a lot of just setting there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, and we, we mentioned Gyrus before, but Gyrus is a great game that's sort of the same concept of a ship going around a, a circle and shooting something comes out. That's a much more uh, 
interesting game to play. It's much more action-packed. It doesn't meander. Like, this game meanders. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and you can get power-ups and stuff and, and shield buffs and, and extra men from some of the stuff you shoot. But for the most part, you're just shooting stuff until stuff comes out of what you shot and starts floating towards the edge of the screen. And you go over and try to kill it. It's just, it's not blow away. What I, I would they, have liked to have seen is that the microbes... Maybe the microbes grow back. Like, I don't like the fact that the microbes act like asteroids and they split in two when you shoot them. What I would have liked to have seen is a faster growing pool of microbes that are destroyed in one shot. And you're they're constantly inching their way forward. And then the viruses, I think that you're adding, you're, you're not adding anything by having them split in half. I just like to see them grow faster. I can think, listen, and I think you'll agree with me here. The, the bones are there. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, yeah. What you're missing is a dynamic thing to shoot at all right and so and there are i can think of a bunch of different ideas okay number one you're staying with the whole micros thing just make them more interesting give me some virus cells that look cool they look like monstrous looking to come out stuff that really scoops around or how about this scrape all that off you can use this you can make a really interesting sort of puzzle game out of this Mm -hmm. if you yeah you can you know, make like a bust of move. Or even game. like a, how about a round 360 Arkanoid? Yeah. You could do it. Yeah. And the thing is, instead of instead of bouncing a ball, you're shooting the blocks. Right. You can do that. Absolutely. There are, there's, this sort of setup gives a, a, a thought to a lot of interesting things. What about, remember that uh, the Amiga uh, CD32 game where you go into the body and you shoot that stuff? You could, and that's sort of what they're doing here, but you could make the, how about some big red blood cells floating around mm-hmm. or some of that now? To be fair, this is a public domain game. And so we're having this conversation uh, about a public domain game because this game excels well past the public. We're, right. we're treating this like a proper right. game. Because it should have been a proper right. game. Right, because it's good. Yeah. It's, in its current state, it's worth your time. And I can't tell you, I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm still in awe of the colors. Well, the, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't I don't see I don't I don't think the graphics are anything to write home about. Well, they're no. just listen, and that whole your whole AGA baloney speech. Listen. There's no baloney there's no, about there's it. nothing here that that you couldn't do on any machine. That's insane in and terms you're wrong. of the colors. It's that's just a, a different color. You think the C64 could do this? Yeah. You're yeah, insane. I think it could. You're I think insane. the C64 could do it. Hey, I'm just telling you. I, I'm not as I mean, show the me most an, colorful show, game ever. Come yeah, on, buddy. show me an AGA shooter that can approach this from 500 yards. What are you talking about in terms of graphical ability? Anything. I don't. It doesn't even be AGA. There's plenty of good shooters on here. Not colorful. Not colorful like this. I'm not buying it. What about a pity yet? That's a beautiful. It's not AGA. Pity is not as colorful as this game. Are you kidding me? Look at all the different shades on the screen. Yeah, black. There's a lot of black on the screen. You're in a petri dish. That they're all black. (laughs) What? No, they're not. Yeah, they are. They're see through. Well, sometimes they're. So what are you sitting? What are you looking down into a microscope into the void? Is that what you're doing? Sometimes they do that. Get that out, both. Best of this and best of that. I do want to say that the whole petri dish idea. I did double check this. I got that from this book that Pixels of Dawn actually told me about called The Ultimate Guide to Amiga PD Games. Uh, This is by uh, General Editor Christian Clark. I picked this up on the Amazon a while back, and I found it to be... You picked it up where? On the Amazon. On the Amazon? What are you doing down there? And I found this to be an invaluable uh, guide to uh, lots of different public domain games. I don't have access to this. Well, you better pay your $2. Who got you that? 
I got myself. Oh, you bought that. it? I bought it. I didn't it. know it existed, Boat. Yeah. So is that the most colorful book you've ever seen? No, it's black and white. It's like you do you work for the Golden Globes? You're you should present all the awards. <laughs> this is the best film I've ever seen. Here it is, Porky. Listen, I'm for hire. They can call me. Oh, I know you're for sale. There's no doubt about that. But I think we could both agree that this is a game that's a good game. A slightly missed opportunity. And by the way, I also want to get in that sometimes the microbes sort of remind me of very, very tiny demons from Demon Attack. Mm -hmm. Never yep. a bad thing yep. in that case. We did get a review on this one, Aaron. Oh, go. Z9K9 writes, gliding around the circle and carving up the microbial butter with your laser knife are good sensations at first. <laughs> Who wrote this? But the tendency for your auto-fire to fail, it happens when your shots reach the middle without hitting anything, I think. Feels random and irritating. I agree, Z9. The game's not very difficult, and as the levels drag on, the simple actions get repetitive. I'd have liked a way to deliberately bend my shots to reach inaccessible targets in Ooh. cool golfer style, instead of just having to wait for the cells to hatch. Five out of ten. That was Z9. That was Z9, yeah. That opening, that opening line, Z9. <laughs> the microbial butter. Holy you enjoy smoke. That? You know, this got a, I should mention, this got a 6.59 on uh, Lemon. I, I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, Top Hat Willie, no, not on Lemon. Really? And it's also not on uh, Hall of Light. How did oh, that not get on there? That's crazy. Because I crazy. couldn't find it. I guarantee there's going to be a link coming. No. Here's no. why you're dumb, Aaron. It's going to be the link. <laughs> So I think we had a couple. I, I'm going to go on the limb here and say we had I'm a couple winners. I'm going to say this was the best no, public domain. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Didn't our game of the year come from a yeah. public domain? So, yeah. by the way, say that to yourself. I've never thought about that until the exact second. I never thought I'd say those words. So we love public domain all we of do. a sudden, Boat. We do. And, of course, we love our Amigos Game Selection Committee for uh, choosing this, these, these titles for us. Now, yeah, Aaron, well done. It's time for a little bit of unboxing. Well, man. it's not really. I wouldn't call it unbox. It's, it's more like an un. It's an unbagging. You want to switch the scene to? I am. All I'm right. going Does to both. Thank you, Director Boat. Are you the best director we've ever seen as well? Yeah. Well, well, you have to ask. <laughs> why do I even? Why do I set myself up? So I got a package in the mail. You know, I don't know if anybody saw a little show I did, Boat, and it was a little thing I like to call the magazine rack, and so. Uh, someone sent me another magazine to cover Ooh. on the magazine rack. And that fellow is a good friend of ours named Popsies. Popsies. And Popsies. so he sent me both. Now, this is a, here's one for you. This isn't Amiga related, but how are you going to see that? Oh, my God. Hold on. Let me show the people. Okay. Don't touch Listen, it. Listen, I'm going to run out of here with that. Bam. Thing. It's the MSX Club, y'all. The MSX, by the way, comes with disc. Yeah. Here, I'm gonna. He sent me now. A, this is a new magazine. This he, is September through December 2021. What sent, did he write in the letter? He there? sent me a note here. He says, uh, "Hi, Aaron. I hope this finds you well, and I hope you have fun reading the magazine. There's a great article on Web MSX, the JavaScript-based emulator, also made in Brazil. This is from Brazil, by the way. Really? There's a website you can go to play some games directly in your browser. I recommend the two games, Nightmare and King's Valley. Have a great day and keep up the good and entertaining work." And give my best regards to Boat, the Brent, and the rest of the team. Here's some regards, Boat. Thank you. P.S. Here's the part that's scary. I've been binging on your back catalog. Oh, <laughs> man. But I think I'm running out of videos and podcasts that I haven't seen, listened to yet. So, pl yes, please do keep making more. First of all, that's baffling that he's gotten through our whole well, back listen, catalog. Wonderly is what we call an Amigos All-Star. Because yeah, he, he supports every single one of our shows. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every single one. 
it's a, it's a, when he told me, he's like, Hey, would you mind if I see this? I was like, are you kidding me? BMSX, man. Yeah. That's and so awesome. that's kind of, I hope so, that's in English and not in Portuguese. Uh, it doesn't matter. Brazil. Listen, I can read a little Portuguese. That I would love to see. Oh, well, listen, don't ask me to speak it. <laughs> listen, my years of Brazilian jiu-jitsu have finally paid off. <laughs> what do you say we get in some hot, hot video action? Bro? Okay, That sounds pretty good to you. Here yeah. we go. So. Another week's gone by, and you know what that means. Myself and the Brent in this very room. Together forever. Did a little video I like to call the Commodore Pet mm. boat. It's the pet. I learned a lot about the pet this week. I'm not going to lie to you. I loved, I straight up loved this episode. It was one of my favorite ones we've done recently. I didn't know jack squat about the Commodore Pet. Uh, and I learned a lot, and we played a bunch of games this week. We only did two on the show, but we actually got to sit around and play a bunch. But I learned a ton about how the pet, like, was born. You know, what what happened? I go through a big, long history segment. I'm not going to lie, but it, it was, I enjoyed it. And, you know, people still seem to like it. Then we tried two games. Mine was called Fire. And Brent's, on the other hand, was called Meteorite. I learned something else, by the way. Uh, in fact, someone in chat told me this. Uh, a lot of the games I was talking about had exclamation points at the end. So I just assumed that the games were exciting. Wrong. <laughs> That's how they would determine if the pet game had sound. Really? Yeah. Did you mention that on the show? I must have I did, blazed over Because that. someone in the chat room, it could have been Hermsky or mm -hmm. Paul, one of these guys, they said, hey, dummy. Bam. I was like, I didn't know. Wow. So live oh, and learn. Cool. Anyway, if you want to learn about the, if you're like me, kind of a dumb guy that wants to learn about the pet from like another dumb guy, so you don't feel quite as dumb, this is the show for you. And if Brent, once again, comes through with a real winner of a game, me, eh. Um, well, let's go here. Boat, tell us about the Coco Show this week. So the Coco Show debuted Draconian. You know, most of the time you get some ports to the Coco that are sort of derivative or just exact copies of the uh, of the original game. That was great. Draconian is an is a is a uh, exception to the rule in that it takes the Bosconian formula and actually makes it better. Yeah. There's a, this is a better game It's way than better than Bosconian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. So if you're interested in seeing this unique take of uh, space action with a giant flying space dragon, uh -huh. uh, check out our episode of Draconian. The Coco Show, always a good time. By the way, that's the next t-shirt. I want that dragon right you know what i'm saying the, the, that dragon and the logo right there you the put, big o. no i want the full dragon <laughs> oh, okay. and i want that over like under it or over okay. it that would okay, be man. awesome i can make it happen boats the t-shirt master i really enjoyed this one boat I, I, I like i'm a big fan of that game well i've been dreading it but let's get into it so just for for no good reason this week i finally got around to releasing uh my barbie stream from uh, uh right around january i think when i did this this was where you know, you'll recall that uh, myself, uh, when I uh, when we had Megathon, I made a deal that if a certain amount of money was met, I would play a real Barbie tree, which people were driving me nuts, and you'll recall to do one. And so they crushed my amount, so I was I had to do one. And so this was it. With that thrilling uh, uh, and uplifting tale, uh, here I went, well, it happens that uh, Frodo did a Barbie stream before I did, and he did everything that the mister could handle. So I thought, well, I don't want to go over the same stuff that Frodo did. So I did Barbie games from the PlayStation era, uh, and uh, the PlayStation era produced some god-awful Barbie. Let's just put it that way. I, I guess none of it's that good. I do go back and catch a Genesis uh, prototype Barbie game as well, for all you Barbie prototype fans. So if you want to watch uh, a goofball 
uh, play a bunch of Barbie, then and which clearly not too many people were keen on watching that. But it's here. It's here for your perusal if you want to watch uh, me play some Barbie games, Boat. Um, so next on the docket, and I was here for this one, our good buddy, the Flaxster, Jack Flack. He's bringing back Cactus Flax. Yeah. I know you, you've been hounding him. Yeah, I hound him every day. For, <laughs> so you're the one. Yep. For years, Boat Bay's like, where's the Cactus Flax, which was mm-hmm. uh, Flax's old podcast, where he went through all the uh, uh, video games, the uh, arcade games that he ever owned. Mm-hmm. And this time out, he'll be talking about one of my personal favorites. I mean, sincerely, and that's Karate Champ. I love this game. When it came out in the arcade, I couldn't believe how awesome it was. The uh, uh, the Especially the two-player version with the four joysticks, a unique control system that has never been equaled in terms of the abilities to play with no buttons. I, I've been meaning <laughs> to ask you yeah. about this forever. Did you ever play against Master Don? No, no, I never played against any masters in video games. They didn't do that crap. They they would have chopped the board in half. Mm. But this, you know, I was into karate. I've always been in the old karate, chop suey, kung fu movies. Mm-hmm. So when this came out, I was like, please. And the thing about it is it does a good job of simulating like a pretty realistic fight. Right. You know, now the part where you fight the ball and they chuck <laughs> they ch- <laughs> chuck a plant at you and stuff, it's a little bit unrealistic. I'll grant you that. Even the guy they've got judging, he's got, I mean, I know, I've seen judges. He looks like Ron Jeremy, to be honest with you. I mean, same haircut, same same porn stash, uh, cool voice. I always I, thought that boy. was his frown. Do you think that's a frown? That's a mustache. No, that's a mustache. Okay. But, I, 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 you know, there's nothing more satisfying than when the computer tries to bring some cheap crap in at you. You jump up near, kick him right in the face, and that guy's full point. You're like, oh. <laughs> I just love it. So, Flag- we're gonna have to go back to the arcade in Huntington. You know, they've got one of those set up over there. Yeah. Re- oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. You know, and the thing here's so. Listen, I'm gonna go off for a minute. Everyone loves. It. Everybody loves it. international karate. Also, first of all, these things are ripoffs of this. Yeah. And they're poor ripoffs. Yeah. And, and international karate. And that crap. Hey, let's get a third guy in there. Yeah. That's dumb. That was the worst decision that's ever What are we been doing made. here? And everyone loves that game. But, Where everyone loves. I it. think it's because they never played Karate Champ. No, they've played it. They know what they're doing. What Listen, are they doing? They're they're grabbing hold of this one thing. I was always Arch McLean, whoever did that. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're everybody that, loves they, it. That's true. But it's that the whole game, Joss Whedon thing with Arch. No McClane. good. No good. I never liked it. Mm-hmm. I never liked it. I didn't like. I mean, it's okay. But I, I remember the first time I played. I'm like, wait a minute, we can't turn off this third guy. What is this? And yeah. it was what that is. Is crap. This is better. Yeah. Uh, Flack also uh, goes on to just to play a bunch of main games that start with K. Sure, why not? He some he picks some titles that you, I've never heard of. Uh, mostly martial arts stuff, but he also gets into some stuff. I think he did the uh, the Oh, do you knew that one? Yeah. Now here's one the we kick. both like. Yeah, kick. I love another kick. game with the dial. I, I like. believe that this is another game from 1984, the greatest year of arcade games ever. Oh man, there you go. So there you go. Uh, a look at uh, Flax uh, Sprite Castle Karate Champ, and look for. Cactus Flax, uh, real soon. It should be coming out uh, within the next week, presumably. And I think it's going to be on, guess what? Karate Champ. Now, this just under the wire. He's back. I was worried about this because we hadn't seen the conclusion. But uh, our good pal, Frodo and L, has posted his final look 
at the Looney Tunes games, and I believe the entirety of this two hours and 45 minutes is Tiny Tunes game. Mm. You, were you into the Tiny Tunes Absolutely. when you were younger? Really? Because, I mean, I was in fifth grade when that was new. So I, that was right in my, like, peak cartoon watching yeah. age. Did, and, I now, can still sing the theme song. Go. We're tiny, they're toony, they're all a little loony. Oh. Tiny Tunes adventures are about to start. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, you're close enough. They're Babs and Buster Bunny. Montana Max is money. Elmira is a pain. It's a rejected. Expect the unexpected. Yeah, I used to know it. At Akmele University, we earn our tune degree. Our teaching staff's been getting left since 1933. Yeah. 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 You should have done a Patreon of that. That would have been good. That would have been good I think I've already actually done that. Did you? Yeah. I hope we knew the like I Like I told you in that, that message, I'm out of material. <laughs> there you go. When you I've got... done the Animaniacs theme song, you know I'm Are you going to start doing like with retro games like we do on the other thing? <laughs> anyway, I will, I'll flip through some of these uh, because I had to because I like Tiny Tunes. And Frodo, first of all, Frodo has the most jacked up on point streaming of anybody. Yeah. He's got all kinds of icons. Mm-hmm. He's got contests. Animated He's emoji. got crazy stuff flying all over the screen. Yep. It's like watching a video game. Hype trains. Yeah, it's, he's got it all. Mm-hmm. And plus, it's, it's Frodo. Right. Char- it's that charisma coming out the yin yang. And so he plays a lot of these Looney Tunes game stuff on the Game Boy all the way up. Some of these look pretty good. You know, and by the time Tiny Tunes is out, they sort of had to care more, I mm-hmm. think, about some of these. Yeah. So I think you're going to find probably some of your better games amongst this collection. And this will take uh, Frodo to house on these Looney Tunes. I don't know what he's got in store next week, but we'll find out. But always uh, check out Frodo's stuff and absolutely catch his live streams because they're very entertaining. Unfortunately, since he's he's in a whole different time zone to me, his stuff always comes on like when I'm getting out of bed or when I'm at work, stuff like that. So I, never, I don't get to watch them that much. Every once in a while, I get to catch one. But thankfully, he posts them here. So there you go. I think, Boatster, that is all we've got, my well, friend. Well, we did have a new podcast debut on the old Amigos Retro Gaming Network okay. anchor page. Rob Flack O'Hara debuted the new episode of Like a Dog. Oh, yes, absolutely. The Incredible Machine. And he had a stream, uh, I think it was last week, uh, to accompany that. Uh, is that one you played back in the day? Never. I never played it. I, I played a it, game like it, but it wasn't that one. I had a, I gave it a, a shot, uh, 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 and I was never good at it because I'm too dumb, mm-hmm. you see. I do like those Rube Goldberg machines. Those are fun to watch. I thought one of the most interesting things about that episode was that there's a different na- guy named Rube Goldberg. <laughs> you told me country. that off. You were like, yeah. I can't believe I that. Can't, I, mean, I just think that's it's like a parallel universe. Like, Heathcliff Huxtable is the name of it in, in, in Great Britain. That would be weird. That would be a weird one, Boat. So, yes, check out Like a Doss. Yeah. Man, Flag's got, he's doubling up on new ones. Or these, I guess he's bringing back one, but still, it's new to me. So, check out the, uh, I'll get all the Flag stuff, get a Pixel Guide in. They just had a new one drop uh, uh, last week. And, of course, yours truly, myself, the Boat, and Brent, we're, we got stuff. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, you'll get in there. Someone asked why we don't do audio versions of Ask the Amigos. We do. They're on there. Yeah. Everything's, Everything's on, there. on there. Everything's on there. So, uh, Aaron, as we move forward towards the end of the show, uh, I'd like to congratulate all of our Patreon song winners. 
of last week's contest. Of course, last week was the full X copy release. Yeah, that was pretty good. Behind Blue Eyes yeah. by The Who and a lesser extent Limp Biscuit. Were yeah. you a big fan of the LB? Wait, wait a minute. You put Limp Biscuit in there? Some people wrote in <laughs> saying it was by Limp Biscuit. Oh, oh, good God, no. <laughs> you know, my buddy Jerry based our entire vampire campaign on that song. Oh, I thought you were going to say all the Limp Biscuit. No. That would have been much better. No, that would have been in a Jerry. <laughs> So yeah, I like that song. It's I mean, if you don't like that song, what are you doing? How do you base a vampire campaign off that song? Hey, you have to have a lot of imagination. That's true. You gotta have a lot of imagination yeah. to play vampires. So um Rob O'Hara, first, right out of the gate. <laughs> I thought he was randomly saying a name. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Smith, come on down. Barkbit got it. Blip Blop, Terry Howard, L. Curtis Boyle. Yeah. Did you lock up? What's going on? L. Curtis Boyle. Oh, this again? I don't have to hail him on every show, do I? Do you not? I see him all the time on TSI. I don't say, I'll hail you. TSI Matt, Mitsuyama, Andy Craig, Bernard Lucas, and R. Typer. I thought I was going to reset you. <laughs> you know, somebody reboot both. He locked up. That may happen one day. Knucklehead. So, uh, going forward, uh, we are going to save the Patreon songs for the full band. we got two full bands. we got the June Bugs and we got the X-Copy. They're going to be cranking out Patreon band, Patreon song tunes for you. Uh, but every once in a while, there will be a week where there will be no Patreon song. Starting the next time that this happens, there will be a nice little video that plays at the end of the song, or at the end of the show, that thanks all of our Patreon subscribers. You're going to make this video? Yeah. Okay, good. That no, I'm in favor of I'm it. going to suddenly make it appear by magic. No, listen, you never know. We've got other people that make videos. Yeah. What about Andy with that cool video he made for ATV? Yeah. When's, when's that coming back, by the well, way? It's, well, it's coming back soon. Oh, beautiful. It's coming back soon. What a video. Thank you, Andy. And Anthony is also making one of those for our Amigos Retro Gaming Network uh, Twitch page. That's going to be our new trailer video. I like it. So I like that. Um, so anyway... We thank you guys for watching us. We will see you next time. But first, we got to announce what we're playing next week. Aaron, what do we got on the docket? Well, let's find out. But here we go. Uh-oh. I know what next week is. Oh. Speedball 2 Brutal Deluxe. It's, it, it's our rewind week. That's right. It's the second look at Speedball 2. We covered this game way, way back. All of our rewind episodes, all of our second look episodes come to us from the first 50 episodes of amigos from way back in 2015 and early 2016 aaron yeah so it's been a it's been a it's been a while it's been a while you know i was telling <laughs> i was telling both that i used to own this very box this very game and i sold it for big money yeah. well, it was before we even did the show but i actually bought this in the store with aaron bucks this is what i actually physically paid for i drove down to canal city and put the money down there so we will see you next time for speedball 2 brutal deluxe and until then adios, adios.